0: reality is no one has the ability to complete us. You complete me are the three most dangerous words that have ever come out of Hollywood.
1: This is episode 22 with meditation expert and author of Stress Less, Accomplish More, Emily Fletcher. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast about love, sex, and identity in the modern world. I'm your host, Jared Matthew Weiss. Each week, I chat with an inspiring person that will help you expand your mind, open your heart, and give you one thing to think about on your journey towards great love. Thanks for hanging with me today. Here. We. Go. You know, someone once said, it's not the load that breaks you down, it's the way you carry it. And I only say someone because the quotation has been attributed to at least three different people on the internet and I really have no idea who said it. But citations aside, it's pretty brilliant, right? I mean, after all, life's challenges in bed, in love, anywhere, really, are basically measured by our preparedness for their arrival. So what can we do to lighten the load? According to meditation teacher and author of the new book, Stress Less, Accomplish More, Emily Fletcher, meditation is the answer. Now, if meditation feels like a heavy word, I get it. For the uninitiated, it can feel a little daunting. And that's why I wanted to invite Emily over, you know, to chat about how meditation can change our lives, make us better partners, lovers, and so much more. In this conversation, she shares her story from going from a Broadway performer to an internationally renowned meditation teacher, how meditation can dramatically improve our sex lives, the details of a wild fertility ceremony she did over Skype with a quote-unquote secret shaman, and gives us a window into her new book, Stress Less, Accomplish More, which is officially in stores today. This episode is packed with tips and ideas on how mindful practices and meditation can shift the way you're carrying your life around, and I'm excited to share it with you now. Thanks for listening. Here we go. What is this tea called?
0: Celestial Seasonings Bengal Spice.
1: Oh my God, Celestial Seasonings. Do you want a pro tip? Um I'm literally here for nothing but pro <laughs> tips. I don't know right. if you know that. you're, in the, right like, spot. you're the bro. And um. I'm here for tips, that's it.
0: Uh, Two tea bags. Let it steep for a really long team. Team? A lit, let it <laughs> steep guys, for it's a really tea long team. team. <laughs> it's tea, team. You put the tea in team. I right, thank you. You
1: know, it's funny. Sometimes I say, because I call Aaron E, and I'm always like, you know, I'll be like, hey, do you want to have some tea? And she's like, no. And I'm be like, I'm going to have tea by myself. I'm going to have tea without E. So I'm going to have ta. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) they don't pay me for the jokes. (laughs) I do, I would. Oh, thank God. And that means a lot because you used to be on Broadway. Mm -hmm. So here we are. Here we are. Emily Fletcher. Emily, you know, you're one of my dearest friends and you're just like a super wondrous, magical, inspiring human. And that's really why I wanted to talk to you because, you know, I talk to strangers about their sex lives pretty much every day. Um, but in these episodes in between, I wanted a chance to sit down with some people who are real experts and to just learn about like what they know and, and, and how they've been able to take what they know and apply it to their lives specifically in the areas of love and sex and relationships. Um, and Before we dive into all that, I just wanna know a little bit about your background in terms of meditation because your story is wild. Uh, So how did you become what you are?
0: Okay. First of all, I want to say that last night I was listening to her episode with Layla Martin, and wow, she sounds delightful. Yeah. And I really thought my story was extraordinary, and then I listened to hers. Yeah, no, her story <laughs>
1: is crazy. She's she's the Lara Croft of sex. Oh, um, my gosh. You know? I
0: really can't wait to be friends with her. We have yeah. so many friends in common. But yeah. Whoa, what a story. Yeah. So here goes. Here's mine.
1: You were on Broadway. I was. I mean, for so long. Not a lot
0: of people can say that.
1: That's true. So, I mean, you were on Broadway.
0: Yeah, I did 42nd Street, the producers, a chorus line, Chicago, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I did a bunch of tours. You were living the dream. I was. I was living the dream. So then what happened? But then it became my nightmare. Why? Because I was more interested in the happiness of pursuit, than I was the pursuit of happiness. Okay. And I really thought that once I got on Broadway, my, Broadway? I thought that once I got on Broadway. We're in
1: a closet, so things you never know what can happen in here. Broadway. <laughs> Broadway. <laughs> uh,
0: I thought that once I got there, my whole life was gonna be sunshine and roses. Like I, I legitimately believed with every cell in my body that once I achieved this goal, that I was gonna be happy. And then three weeks after my first show, It was the saddest I've ever been. And then I just thought, well, it must be my next Broadway show, and my next Broadway show, and my next boyfriend, and my next zero in my bank account, and I did that for 10 years. And then my last Broadway show was A Chorus Line. I was understudying three of the lead roles, which basically means you show up to the theater with no idea which character you're going to play. Sometimes I would start the show as one character. Halfway through, they would switch me to a different character. It sounds
1: like me showing up to Thanksgiving with my family. Like she's like I don't know I just never know which role me. I'm gonna have to play at you're this. Like, at am this I thing. the mediator? Right.
0: Am <laughs> I the? Am I the DD? Yeah, you know what I mean exactly. <laughs> am I the therapist? Okay, so
1: you don't know which role you you're gonna play. Do you ever play sex
0: counselor with your family?
1: I try to, Ooh, <laughs> to be grody, honest. But, grody, yeah, Grody. <laughs> but you know, one time my father and I had a conversation about anal sex that I'll <gasps> never forget. I
0: we'll get into that later.
1: That makes me a little scared. Okay, so here we are. You're So here I am, like just
0: on broadway, living the dream. It's turning a nightmare. Sometimes I'd be chilling in my dressing room doing my taxes and they would say, Emily Fletcher, we need you on stage. And I would start panicking because I didn't know which character they wanted me to play. So I would grab all three of my costumes, run down seven flights of stairs, a dresser would put me in an outfit, and sometimes I would be on stage before I knew who I was going to play. Now, some people are very good at this job. I am not one of them. Mm. I was living my life in this constant state of anxiety, constant fight or flight. Over time, it led to extreme insomnia. I couldn't sleep through the night for 18 months. Started going gray at 27 years old. Started getting sick and injured. And I really was confused. I was like, wait a minute. Like, this was supposed to be sunshine and, you know, martinis with Liza at Sardis. And instead, I'm rocking myself in fetal position, listening to Eckhart Tolle on repeat, having panic attacks in between shows. And finally, I was so embarrassed about my performance that I thought, I have to try something. I asked the girl sitting next to me in the dressing room, who was understanding five of the leads, including Cassie, if you know the show, that's very hard. And this woman was crushing every song. Every dance, every bite of food, she'd be like, oh, this is sensational. And she was Australian. Meditation <laughs> does not give you a bad Australian accent. And I said, what do you know that I don't know? And she said, I meditate. And I rolled my eyes. and was like, oh, God, one of you. Because there was not the neuroscience then that there is now. It was not on every street corner and every millennial you know, social club was not meditating 11 years ago. It was still pretty woo-woo. So I didn't believe her. And I just kept going gray and getting sick and sucking at my job. And then finally I thought, what do I have to lose? So I went along to this course, first day, first course, I was meditating. I had no idea what that meant, but I was in a different state of consciousness than I had ever been in before, and I liked it. And then that night, I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months. Wow. And I have every night since, that was 11 years ago. Then I stopped going gray. I'm gonna be 40 in March. I have one gray hair, which I promptly pluck out. I was legitimately going gray (laughs) at the end of my 20s. I stopped getting sick. I did not get sick for eight and a half years. Then I had my bachelorette party and really earned that one. (laughs) I stopped getting injured. But most importantly, I started enjoying my job again. Like my work performance really, really increased. And so I thought, why does everybody not do this? And so I left Broadway. I went to India and I started. That's where Layla and I are the same. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, to India,
1: it's like my podcast is now called "Amazing Women Who Travel East." Yes. Okay. Okay. So what uh,
0: happened? Started a three-year training process to become a teacher. Wait, in, you
1: were there for three years? No,
0: I was not in India that whole time. I'm not that hardcore. Okay. But I was like bouncing between India, New York, and Beverly Hills, <laughs> where I actually paid my way through teacher training by being a vodka sommelier and a vodka tasting free- freezer in Beverly hills
1: gotta do what you gotta do i was
0: like slinging vodka shots in a 28 degree tasting freezer until two in the morning and then i'd wake up at dawn and meditate for six hours and actually the the title for my first book came out during that time i was like my whole life is vodka to veda vodka to veda and then my boyfriend at the time now husband was like oh my gosh that's a million dollar book idea from vodka to veda which i wrote and then i pitched it and all these publishers were like No one knows who you are. No one's going to buy an autobiography. So I wrote this book, um, which is more of a self-help. It's more like practical tools for people to use meditation as a productivity tool. And then hopefully the next book will be this sort of like lascivious hedonistic tales of a Broadway showgirl with sneaky little lessons from the
1: Vedas woven in. Oh, my God. You're such a visionary. And you're also like, I wish, you know, I'm going to take some video of you while you're talking at some point because like it's just it's really just a thing to watch her tell a story the gestures and the facial expressions i mean you're just like you were like you're broadway i mean that's it like <laughs> i've got full jazz I'm, hands over I here, here no i might call you broadway moving forward okay okay hey, broadway into it i love
0: that i love a nickname okay
1: okay <laughs> so all right so you wrote this book the book is called stress less accomplish more uh-huh.
0: and the subtitles meditation for extraordinary performance because it's very much designed to rebrand meditation as a performance tool and that doesn't mean artistic performance it means work performance personal performance just anywhere you want to be the most amazing version of you i genuinely i genuinely believe that meditation can help stress is making us stupid sick and slow across the board and so if stress is keeping you from being the most amazing version of you then meditation can help
1: Well, speaking of stress, people in relationships sometimes are, let's just say, a little stressed out. And I'm sure that you, you know, while you work with high performers and your clients are, you know, big time CEOs and and executives, and um, you also, you know, have a lot of people who come into your studio who are just like stressing out over like their love and sex lives.
0: Yeah, because I would say the biggest places where something that I call the I'll be happy when syndrome lives.
1: I think that's chapter one.
0: Uh, it is a chapter. It's not yeah. chapter one. It makes it's chapter in there. Three. Um, the book
1: is incredible, by the way. Oh. I mean, oh my God, your voice is just so, I mean, you're funny and, and and it's just, it flows. It's just, and it's not like what you would expect from, or what I think we would we would expect from a, like a meditation book. It's just really like it's edgy and cool and the stories, the like the case studies are amazing. It's just it's on point. Thank okay, you. OK, so so the I'll be there when.
0: Oh, yeah. So this concept of I'll be happy when, you know, which is the mistaken belief that we can somehow achieve or acquire our way to happiness. And I'd say the top three places that those hang out are in our career our money, and our relationships. And we all have this secret little belief and then sometimes a secret contract with our partners that I'll be happy when you fill in the blank. Right. I'll be happy when my boyfriend goes to therapy. I'll be happy when my girlfriend gets over her sexual trauma. I'll be happy when you start doing the dishes. And it's like we allow ourselves to stay in victim mentality when we expect someone else to complete us. And the reality is no one has the ability to complete us. You complete me are the three most dangerous words that have ever come out of Hollywood because no one can completely... No it's one. A great,
1: it's a great scene, though. It is a great scene. <laughs> I mean, it's a great scene. We, we got... I mean, that scene basically... Gave us Renee Zellweger, you know what I mean. <laughs>
0: Thank God for that. Yeah, <laughs> and then plastic surgery took her away. Right. Oh, was that mean that was mean? I'm sorry. You... Low blow it we was love, low blow. We love we
1: love Bridget Jones though. Yes. Great.
0: Oh, have I seen it? I don't know. That I might be a lie. I apologize, Renee Zellweger. That was mean,
1: Renee. If you're listening. <laughs> Hi, that was I'm rude. Jared.
0: Hi, I'm Emily, <laughs> and I apologize. That was rude. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... Okay, you complete me. Yes. This idea that somehow our romantic partners can fill us up. And that is impossible. If you're 80% fulfilled and you're looking to your partner to give you the other 20%, you're always going to be disappointed. So is meditation
1: going to fulfill us? Yeah. So the the idea is
0: that we have to be 100% fulfilled. I have to be 100% and I come to the relationship to deliver 100% of my fulfillment. Mm -hmm. I cannot go to my relationship to fill myself up.
1: So how does meditation
0: get me there? I know that you have three M's. Reams, meditation, mindfulness, and manifesting. We can talk about that in a minute. So
1: how does meditation get me there?
0: Well, basically because it's allowing you to access your bliss and fulfillment in the only place that they actually reside, which is inside of you. Ah. It's giving you access to the source Mm -hmm. and it's flooding your brain and body with dopamine and serotonin, which are bliss chemicals. So you actually start to feel fulfilled and then you can use your relationship as an outlet for that fulfillment instead of somewhere that you need to go to fill yourself up. Because if you think your partner is supposed to complete you and then they can't, then they've broken the contract that you secretly made and that they never signed, and then they've disappointed you somehow. And then you think, I'll be happy when I get rid of this person and I get on to the next.
1: Mm, so, So the question is... You know many of I know that like I've had this tempestuous tumultuous love life over the last three decades and I've had the highs and lows of a madly in love or I no longer want you to live here anymore and like I've been you know in these these relationships I don't know what your relationship history looked like you know prior to falling in love getting married but prior to finding meditation how did meditation change your love life
0: you know, Ooh. were you
1: there? Were you in the looking for the soulmate, looking for the somebody to complete me? Because I feel like that's just that's pretty normal from what I've seen. A lot of us are looking for that. Yeah. So how did that show up in your life and how did meditation change that?
0: So my relationships used to be
1: borderline abusive, not full blown abusive, but like borderline abusive. Broadway. <laughs> I'm going to sing
0: that out a little bit. It makes it less harsh sounding when you just take it up an octave. Yeah. Um, but It was they were dramatic and, you know, screaming and pushing and running in the rain and, you know, just angry and. And, and I feel like part of that is maybe just part of the human experience, that we all have to heal the wounds that we were given as children, which you know we all were in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And so I think our relationship at the core of the core, the point of them is to teach us our lessons. That is why they exist. Mm-hmm. And I think that the faster you learn your lessons, the more you can up-level and upgrade the quality of relationship you are in. But at least for me personally, my relationships were borderline abusive. And then I started meditating and... I got in better relationships and better relationships. And now I'm in this, you know, very supportive, very adult, a little boring marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that might be. And also, you know, I should say I have a seven month old son. And so who's, this amazing. Is, who's
1: amazing, who's also the strongest infant I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's, this is like an infant that actually does push ups.
0: He does. He does pull ups and push ups. I he, mean, can, he can almost walk. Yeah. He's seven months old. He's amazing. I mean, I'm biased, but I think he's like a genius person. I'm
1: not biased. He's amazing.
0: <laughs> um, and we have a
1: lot of friends who have kids.
0: Yes. So, you know, this is not, you know, this is an interesting time in a relationship because my husband and I both are falling in love with this third person. Mm-hmm. You know, and so much of our energy and love is going towards this. Now we're in like a throuple now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds gross. I did not mean it in a gross it's way. It's okay. You guys. Don't worry
1: about it it's fine you said it it's over you said we're in a throuple now we're just gonna well, let just roll from like the
0: love standpoint i get it yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> emily needs a minute it's fine i get it. Fine. it you know it's it's part of it okay so but but you were in these tumultuous i'm gonna get you out of the throuple thing right now Thanks. so you were in these tumultuous relationships before i sweating the, right now i'm sweating it. well you're sweating because we're in a closet and it's hot it's so hot in here <laughs> But you were so cold before. I but Thank God. Everything has changed. I think it's the Bengali Spice Tea. <laughs> okay. So anyway. Anyway. Enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? Kidding. <laughs> kidding. All right, you're so hot. You're so funny. I, you're so oh charismatic. God, I know. You know how to MC
0: an event better than anyone Ooh. I know.
1: Oh my God. Okay. So anyway. You, are you guys, in the demol-
0: Jared might emcee my book launch party. Oh my god! haven't Really talking about that, this? I know.
1: Is that is that on the table? It's on the table. I'm here. Okay. I'm available. This
0: is, let's consider this your audition.
1: Holy shit! <laughs> okay, I'm excited. This is huge. Okay. Okay. So, wow. I have to. That's like a real honor. Whew. Okay. So you are in these relationships. Then, were you in a relationship at the time while you were going through this? This moment yes. when you're when you were in the fetal position, when the woman says, I meditate, you roll your eyes, you're the job is killing you. Were you also in a relationship that was also slowly killing you or were you single?
0: I was in a relationship, but that relationship was not slowly killing me. As a matter of fact, he and I got initiated on the same night. We we learned to meditate together, and I just texted him two days ago because now he's kind of a famous TV star. And I was like, "Hey, what's up?" And I'm like hoping he'll help me like get
1: the word out about the book. And I was like reconnecting,
0: <laughs> but we <laughs> we got initiated on the same so night.
1: Good. Okay, so does he meditate? <laughs>
0: yeah, he said and he had just recently like picked it back up.
1: So so, um, but he,
0: that relationship was not slowly killing me. That okay. was a
1: really sweet sweet relationship. Got it. Okay, so. So how has how has learning to meditate made you become your own soulmate? Cuz that's the spiel, right?
0: Because you meditation allows you to tap into this relationship with your own higher self. Whatever you want to call that. God, your intuition, Whatever you call it, I don't Mm -hmm. care. But for most of us, our left brain is so overdeveloped, that individuality, that critical voice is so busy screaming at us. Mm. You're old, you're fat, you suck, you have cellulite, you're not good in bed. That thing is so loud that it's very hard for us to hear the right brain intuition that right brain voice of creativity that that piece of us that is connected to everyone and everything
1: say it say you're a one-liner that I love it's one of my favorite things I've ever heard Oh God, Aaron it? and I talk about it all the time there's oh. only one thing and we're all it oh yeah oh fuck
0: man. I mean that is the every truth every time of the you truth. say that I'm like there yes. is only one thing and we're all mm. it and that one thing is consciousness. That mm-hmm. one thing is energy. Mm-hmm. But if all we have access to is our left brain waking state, then we very much go through this human experience thinking that we're all individual waves. Why well, I'm a three foot wave and Jared's a five foot wave, so better get out of his way. Or uh oh, I'm a I'm a three foot wave and you're a one foot wave. You better get out of my way. Mm-hmm. And we think that we can hurt someone else without hurting ourselves, mm. or that we could help someone else without helping ourselves, which is bullshit. It's not true. Mm. And so once you start meditating, you start taking your right brain to the gym, which is the. Piece of you that is not identified with individuality. It is the piece of you that is connected to something bigger than you. And so you start to feel more expansive. You start to feel more universal. And your relationship with your own higher self becomes so much stronger. You can actually start to hear your own intuition, which is, P.S., nature working through you. That is God using you as a vessel. And so when you do that, you become less dependent on this one other human for your happiness. You start to see, well, I have everything I need. I do have access to my own fulfillment internally. And I am choosing to use this relationship as an outlet for that fulfillment not as a place to go and complete myself and that makes every relationship so much richer
1: damn that's it okay see it's like these moments that I have with Emily Fletcher that make me just freaking fall in love Mm. you are so good but now we have to back up what the hell is meditation? (laughs) okay Okay, this because is actually- honestly like like, I, like people are sitting there like am I meditating when I'm just sitting quietly with my eyes closed like You know and and a big reason why you're writing your book and, and while you you've written your book But you're putting it out there and you do this great work and why you rolled your eyes at the woman when she told you She meditates is because a lot of people feel like either meditation is like hocus-pocus or it's just too hard I've tried to meditate and I can't do it. So what is meditation like can I meditate for 30 seconds can I, med- like, uh, what? what is meditation? Okay,
0: great question. Thank you for clarifying. Where this is getting really tricky and confusing is that everybody's calling everything meditation. My friend J.P. Sears, who I'm about to go to Austin and shoot some things with him this weekend. Mm. If you guys don't
1: know J.P. Sears, get ready. He's he is like, hilarious. Yeah, so funny. Oh my God.
0: Um, so he has, in his book, he has a whole chapter called, oh, this is my uh, scrolling through Facebook meditation. This is my fighting with my girlfriend meditation. Right. This is my riding a bike meditation. Because we're calling anytime we're not, basically like on our phones or watching TV, we're calling that meditation. Right. And so it's confusing for folks. What's happening is that we're conflating the term mindfulness and meditation. So I would define mindfulness as the art of bringing your awareness into the present moment. Okay. The art of bringing your awareness into the present moment. Like mindful moment. sex. Yes, mindful sex. You right. could you could but not meditative sex. I mean, that's a separate, there's some nuance there. There's some vernacular nuance that we could explore. But I think for simplicity's sake, you could mindfully wash dishes. You could mindfully take a walk in the woods. Mm -hmm. You can be conscious. You can be present at any moment in time. But I would actually say that mindfulness is a byproduct of meditation. You become more mindful. You become more conscious, more present as a byproduct of the meditation that I teach. So what
1: is meditation?
0: So... Mindfulness, very good at getting rid of your stress in the now. Meditation is very good at getting rid of your stress from the past. All of that stuff that we've been storing in our cellular memory, and now we know our epigenetic memory, all that stuff that we've inherited from our parents that we may send down to our kids, that stuff that's stored in our actual genes. Uh, Well, the epigenes, not the genes, but Mm -hmm. again, another podcast for another day. Mm -hmm. Meditation is getting rid of that stuff. And we do that by inducing very deep healing rest. Rest that is about five times deeper than sleep. And that's not an insignificant point because when you give your body the rest that it needs, it knows how to heal itself. And it's healing itself not only from stress in the now, but like I said, all that accumulated stress, Mm. which over time is slowing us down. The baggage. It's keeping us from being present. It's the thing that's making us worry about all the bills we have to pay and all the dishes we have to do while we're in the bedroom because we're too busy reviewing the past and rehearsing the future. Future, that overdeveloped I love that line. left brain. I
1: read that. That was great. But it's also all the relationships. Yes. Right? Yes. It's all like the so those We bring all those relationships into our current relationship, and that relationship feels really hard, but it's because we haven't really, really resolved that stuff from the past. Yes. So, okay, so what do we my do? My ex we... hurt me, so right. I'm
0: afraid that you're going to hurt me. So instead of really opening my heart, I'm just going to go ahead and put bumper busters, you know, guardrails on my mm-hmm. heart to ensure that you never actually get in.
1: So, what do we do when we meditate? So, and I know that it's more we probably won't teach everybody to meditate on this episode, but what is it, what does it mean? What does it mean to meditate?
0: So basically, in mindfulness you're directing your focus. So any app out there, any YouTube video, any drop in studio are usually teaching some variation of mindfulness, mm-hmm. which is quite different than what I teach at Siva. The meditation is based on something called Nishkam Karma Yoga, which means union attained by action hardly taken, which I like to call the lazy man's meditation. It means it doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to clear your mind, you don't have to have fancy fingers, you do not have to sit in uncomfortable positions. You could literally do it at your desk at work with your kids screaming in the next room on your commute you can do this thing anywhere anywhere you can think a thought Mm. you can practice the Ziva technique and it's all about inducing this deep healing rest. It feels very much like you're taking a nap sitting up. You might have like a weeble wobbly head, but then afterwards you don't have a sleep hangover because you did not induce sleep chemistry in your brain. You induced bliss chemistry in your brain. So not only are you like energized and rested, but you also have dopamine and serotonin in your brain. So you're like, oh, how can I help? What can I give? What can I contribute to this work project? Mm. Um, So the feeling of it is very much like taking a nap, sitting up. And it's all about letting go. It's all about surrendering. It's all about letting the technique do you instead of you trying to do the technique. And I kind of joke with my students that I say, you know, this is not actually a meditation class. It's more of a surrendering school. It's teaching people how to surrender. Mm -hmm. And we Westerners do not like the word surrender. We think it means giving up or quitting. But that's not what it means. It means that trusting, surrendering means trusting that nature has more information than we do.
1: woo! love that one. So, okay, so. Now, I know there's a chapter in the book. The chapter in the book is called From Om to OMG, mm-hmm. and it is a book that, or a chapter that's just dedicated to sex. Mm-hmm. Um, how can meditating make us better in bed? Mm. So I first started talking about
0: sex and meditation because all my students, started, not all, but many of my students started coming to me after months or even a year of practicing saying like, Emily, used to joke that this thing would give me better sex, but... What's happening is crazy. It's like animalistic. And I feel kind of embarrassed to talk about it because I feel like, you know, old school thought about meditation is you shouldn't be having thoughts at all. You certainly shouldn't be having sexy time
1: thoughts. Right.
0: Because we associate meditation with monks.
1: And monks don't have sex.
0: Yeah. They're, they are reclusive. Right. They are, uh, what's that called? Celibate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's a really important delineating point. Monks are celibate by nature they are reclusive by nature. That is their desire. They don't want to have sex with people. They do not want to live into society. Their desire is to live alone in the cave. Mm -hmm. And it is less than 1% of the world's population that is monastic by nature. So if that is not your nature, you trying to pretend to be celibate is not doing anybody any favors. Mm -hmm. And that sexual energy will get sublimated and it will come out in perverted ways. And we are seeing that in a lot of different organized religions who are trying to pretend like celibacy is closer to godliness. And so. I just think it's a really important point that if, if you're not a monk, don't try and be a monk. And I feel like even in this new day and age where there's all these apps out there, we're sort of fetishizing monkhood. But if you're not a monk, stop trying to be a monk. This is why <laughs> everyone thinks that meditation is hard because they're trying to do monastic practices even though they're not monks. And they're like, mm. I'm trying to clear my mind and it's hard for me to sit in that position. It's like, well, maybe this technique is not actually designed for you. Right? What if it doesn't have to be hard? What if the return on investment could be exponential? Anyway, that was a bit of a tangent. That
1: was a great tangent, though. Thank you. I'm not a monk. I want to make love. How is meditation going to help me do that?
0: Okay. (laughs) So did you know that 40% of American cohabitating couples report that the number one reason that they don't have as much sex as they would like to is they are what? Too tired.
1: Oh,
0: okay. And so 40% of the reason of people not having so much sex because they're tired In the style of meditation that I teach, it's giving your body rest that is five times deeper than sleep. So for a 15-minute meditation, you've now taken the equivalent of an hour nap. Wow. You do that twice a day. When it's do like, you do that? Well, so I you... recommend in the morning before coffee, breakfast, or computer, and then somewhere mid afternoon. Can where I you... still
1: drink coffee if I'm a meditator? A thousand percent. Okay. Uh,
0: you can, I, Mark Hyman is a student and friend, and he, he once did an interview and he meditated and then had bulletproof coffee. And he was like, wow, yeah. I love meditation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love that. Uh, so, yes, you can totally do both. I just recommend that you meditate first and then have coffee. And then, same in the afternoon, like where you would have taken that coffee break or you would have taken a nap or you start to feel yourself getting a little foggy, I recommend you steal away, go to a, you know, coat closet like we're in
1: now. Yeah. Or a stairwell. It's not that hot anymore, by the way. Mm. I feel like I've acclimated. Great.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Your adrenals are really, really on point. It must be (laughs) all that meditation. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Your thyroid, rather. Your thyroid controls body temperature. Yeah. But adrenals and thyroid are sister glands. Anyway, um, so if you're giving your body this deep rest twice a day, first thing in the morning and then second time (laughs) mid-afternoon...
1: I'm just busting out the video (laughs) camera for this. Yeah. Jared is currently videotaping me, you guys. Um, Then... I want to make sure that the shot shows that we're actually in the closet. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So what happens?
0: So you do this mid-afternoon meditation. You come out and you're like, "Ooh, I'm energized. I feel creative. I feel present. And I have more energy to give to my partner, to my kids, to my night job, to my hobbies, instead of just leaving it all on our work stage and then coming home exhausted, drinking a bottle of wine and passing out on the couch.
1: Mm, okay. So So there's a meditation in the book that I thought was really interesting. I think it was called Heart to Heart is that right or something Oh well
0: yeah that's like an exercise so at, right. at the end of a lot of the chapters I do exercises or I
1: give people right. different things they can do So what is that when can you just because I think that it was like it was like a, it was like an eye gazing exercise mm-hmm. or you know so but but explain what that is because I think that could be like super powerful you yes. know and it doesn't even you know I think that that it's an exercise that could be cool to just do on a date it doesn't yeah. even need to be, you know what I mean? It's such Maybe a Maybe not a first date. Oh, you never know.
0: I mean, unless you're really out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean... I know that if I was on a first date and someone was like, let's do some eye gazing, I'd be like, peace, I got go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <That's laughs> to go. That's true. Listen, it's each his own. Everybody's yeah. going to seek their own level. But yes. what is the eye gazing exercise, okay. the heart to heart So thing? basically heart
0: to heart is just you sit down across from your partner, two to three feet of, across from each other. You would take your right hand... And put it on their heart, Mm -hmm. and then you would put your left hand on top of your partner. So each person is putting their right hand on the other person's heart, and then putting their left hand on top of their partner's hand. Mm -hmm. And you're about three feet apart, you're looking into each other's eyes. You don't have
1: to be in a closet, though.
0: You can do this on your rooftop, (laughs) in your bedroom, on a couch. Okay. Closet
1: is preferable, with. right? I mean, it's it's pretty warm in here. <laughs> okay.
0: And then you just and then you look into each other's eyes, and I recommend left eye because this is the eye where we receive. Our left side is our feminine side, our right side is our masculine side, mm. and it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable and embarrassing unless you do this frequently. There's probably going to be two to three minutes where you got to get the giggles out, and you got to get the ants in your pants out, and you got to be like, oh my gosh, this is so dumb. I feel dumb, and this is dumb. And then after a couple of minutes, you'll break through to this other layer, and you'll actually start to see that you are them and they are you and you'll start to see that whole wave on the ocean thing that there is only one thing and we're all it and we are all just extensions of this divine being and that you won't you don't have to say that but you might start to feel that a little bit and then what i recommend is that one of the partners shares a goal or a dream or something that they're wanting to manifest in their life is
1: that before or afterwards after what is that before or after we do the exercise that somebody it's part of the exercise. Oh. So
0: you do the eye gazing and then someone shares like the goal and then the other partner takes a moment and Manifest it like imagines their dream as if it is happening now. So, the we mentioned briefly, but you know, closing that loop, there are three M's in the Ziva technique mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. And manifesting is simply imagining your dreams as if they're happening now. And we can talk more about that in a minute. But in this exercise, you're basically imagining your partner's dream as if it's happening now, mm-hmm. which is such a beautiful gift to give someone. Because A, it takes bravery and vulnerability to share our dreams, but then you taking your energy, your mental creativity, and imagining your partner's dream as if it is their current reality is very generous, A, and B, it allows you to see them through a different lens. Mm-hmm. And I think that we always will act in accordance with the lens through which we are perceived. And so if you don't like the way your partner is behaving, it would behoove you to start to scan them and look at the most beautiful thing about them. Mm. Even if they're fighting with you, even if they're criticizing you, be like, wow, my husband really cares about how the dishwasher is packed. It so is do you really do these exercises with your husband? I do them, I do this one, the like seeing someone in the yeah. most beautiful light. I do that, but like privately and secretly. Um, we, my husband, God bless him, did do a fertility ceremony with me and just my, for, for just some reference what here. What is a
1: fertility ceremony? Oh,
0: oh God, we're going to get
1: there. <laughs> um,
0: but he, my husband is like super into data. He's a strategist. He's very left brain. Right. He's in technology. He's like not in the like hippie dippy woo woo circles that I am. And we had been sort of preparing ourselves for this baby train for a while. And I just wanted to commemorate the, yeah. I wanted to commemorate the the beginning of us calling in this child. We weren't having trouble with fertility. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just I wanted to make it special when we decided to call in this child. Mm-hmm. So I, I know this woman who's like a secret shaman and she did this. Secret rec- shaman.
1: <laughs> secret just shaman. Just go to com. secret <laughs> shaman.com. <laughs> This episode is brought to you. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by SecretShaman.com. And and Vintage (laughs) Millennials. Vintage Millennials and Bengal Spice. (laughs)
0: So anyway, she was supposed to do it in person, which was going to be weird enough. But then her mom got sick, so she had to go to Florida.
1: And so she did it via Skype,
0: which made it even weirder. Oh, my God. Honey,
1: the secret shaman is Skyping in right now. We got to go to the computer.
0: (laughs) And so my very hilariously left brain strategic data husband and I are on the bed while she's like Skyping in and she's like, all right, just get some... Oh, this is really—I can't believe I'm sharing this, but here it goes. Let's go. (laughs) There was like, she's like, I need you to get rose petals and seeds and hard boil some eggs, and then I need you to have paper and uh, matches. (laughs) I was like, okay. And so we make, and then the whole ceremony happens, and it was actually really beautiful. I mean, weird and embarrassing. What do you do with the things? Well, we we took the rose petals, we made a circle around us on the bed. And then. Are you guys naked? No, we're not naked. We were clothed. There was no sex involved in this. I mean, there was sex later. Uh, but not during that's a fertility (laughs) ceremony if I've ever heard of one the woman was not on Skype while the sex happened oh okay Um, maybe
1: the secret shaman has to witness you have sex nope not in this
0: case okay so the egg we both ate like part of the hard boiled egg and the seeds you know it was just all the things that represent fertility and we actually wrote down like what our fears were like what were our biggest fears about becoming parents what were the things we had heard about Mm. it what were we scared about losing our identity and then we did a visualization and, and we imagined like calling in the spirit of this child And almost like imagining a slide where the baby would come in and and actually sang out loud, our biggest dreams, why we want to call in the baby, our biggest fears. And then she would write down our fears and she burned them up while she was chanting in Sanskrit. It was all very cool. Mm. Uh, And then we conceived that night.
1: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it was our
0: first try, and we conceived that night.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I guess everybody, anybody who's out there trying to conceive, you should seek yeah. out a secret shaman. Well, her
0: name is Barbara Bizou. She's great. Go. I send all my <laughs> friends to her, barbarabizu.com. Oh, there we go. Um, okay. <laughs> this episode brought to you by. Not so <laughs> secret. <laughs> It's
1: a not so secret yeah. Um,
0: But I will say I did miscarry that particular baby. And then we conceived again a few months later.
1: I think we just killed the Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> the zoo endorsement. No, I don't
0: think so because I've sent a lot of my friends to her and they conceive <clears throat> and then they've miscarried, but it's like your body needs a starter round. Yeah. And I actually think that miscarriage is something we should be talking a whole lot more yeah. about. I made a whole video about it. It's on my blog at yeah. Ziva but it's, I think that it's very, very normal yeah. to, to conceive and miscarry. Mm-hmm. And we treat it like it's this secret, shameful thing. It's like, no, it's just the body warming up. Those souls have to try on different outfits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that's mom, not to diminish anyone's yeah. pain. It was very sad, but it's not
1: abnormal. My mom miscarried many times before she had me. She had already had my brother and she miscarried many times. And I think she had resolved to the uh, reality that maybe she wasn't going to have another baby. And something drew her in to see <clears throat> a psychic <clears throat> at some point, and uh, she was living in L.A., and uh, she walked in, she had questions about her life or whatever, and the psychic looked at her and she was like, you're pregnant. And my mom was like, no, I'm, I'm not. She's like, no, 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 you're definitely pregnant, and it's going to be a boy. Uh, so and you're definitely gonna have this baby. Mom was like, no. first of all I keep miscarrying, like I think I've resolved this. she's like, No, you're definitely gonna have this baby. And then, you know, spoiler alert, she had the baby. The baby grew up to tell that story on his own podcast. <laughs> so lady. <laughs> <so, Thanks, clears throat> yeah, so yeah, I mean, you know, the the uh uh the narrative around miscarriages is is an important one and, mm-hmm. and I think that every family and, and, and so many women have those stories and they're important to be told. So Good for you for sharing that story in a video. Where is that video?
0: Zivameditation.com slash Ziva blog. Cool. Mm -hmm. Amazing. All right. So when does the book come out? February 19th. Okay. But it's available for pre-order now. Right. So So I don't know exactly when this episode's coming out, but you can get it on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. And then if you want a bunch of awesome like companion bonuses, like audios, and then the first three days of our online meditation course, you can go to stresslessthebook.com and just stressless
1: thebook.com Stresslessthebook.com. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And okay. then you just like give us your Amazon, whatever. And then we're like,
0: oh, here's all this amazing stuff.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, Emily, this has been like such a blessing. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang with us. Thank you for listening to Touchpoint. You can learn more about us at LoveTouchPoint.com and follow us on Instagram at, at LoveTouchPoint. Have an inspired day, and we'll see you next week.